At a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Tuesday, May 24th, 2022 edition, and I'm Justin Klein, and I'm excited for this hour with you to hear your finance and investment questions and to give you my unbiased, straightforward answers based on 20 plus years of investment experience, as well as tons of data, the same data that we use to build portfolios. So my goal is to help you understand the current market environment that we are in, how to avoid the pitfalls that so many people make, especially newer investors. And so many newer investors have been operating in uh, a market environment that is no longer here, especially since the Fed pivoted to a more hawkish stance, uh, increasing their path towards uh, tighter monetary policy and, and forward guidance. And that brings a different type of market. And this is something you have to get used to as an investor is that not every strategy is going to work in every market. There is no There's no strategy that will work in every single market. So you have to adjust. Doesn't mean you change your strategy completely, but you adjust. Most people play sports. You have an offense and defense usually. If the defense is doing one thing, the offense has to adjust and vice versa. So there's not, you know, I play a lot of basketball. There's not one defense that will stop uh, a certain type of offense. If the defense does one thing, you have to adjust to make sure you succeed based on the, the defense's strengths and weaknesses. And right now, the market has different strengths and weaknesses than a lot of people are used to. And so the, the goal is to put the odds in your favor. To help you make sound decisions based on reality on the ground. Not the way you hope the market will be. Not the way that you hope the world will be. But how it is. Something you have to learn. It took me a little while. Early on in my career. Hey, the market should see this company this way. It should have a higher value. Why is it trending down? They're missing something. And you know what? Might be right. But you might be right three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. And so you have to accept that at times 
the pendulum swings farther than reality. And it can continue to go that way. Well below its true intrinsic value of what you believe. Now, you could be wrong. Or you could be right, but you could be right way too early. And that's what most people are. You know, they have conviction in something and they're right way too early. Okay, so, you know, in this changing environment of higher inflation, deglobalization, ESG, all of these things are driving different cross currents in the market. And you need to be prepared. So on this podcast, I'm going to operate my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. So I can talk about the market as a whole, a particular strategy, a process explanation, whatever it is, I'm just here to give you the facts as I see them and perspective and unbiased guidance using 20 plus years of investment experience. So I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions at 888 chart right now during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time. Or if you're listening after hours, that works too. You can leave your message on our Invest Talk voice bank. Either way, the number never changes. 888-99 charts. Let's get first get let's get right to our first listener question now. Ernesto in Houston rocks. Hi, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. I was wondering if you could give me your thoughts on Crocs. It's fallen quite a bit recently and I'm looking to buy. Okay. Well, Here's the problem with Crocs is that they're they're having the same issue as Target and Walmart. Um, their earnings expectations are still going up, but the market is telling you otherwise. And what I've learned is when the trend is this powerful, you just wait for the trend to complete. And while it does look cheap, if you're going to earn anywhere near what it earned last year of $8.32, now trading at $48 per share, you're looking at a 6 PE. That's, that's pretty cheap. The problem is, is that it is kind of a small cap growth stock. And everything within that space, everything within the retail space is getting crushed. So what you have here is the economic backdrop is not favorable in the near term. Now, long term, if Crocs are going to stay in style, which, you know, they they were in style a decade plus ago, and then they went out of style, and now they're back in style. And, and guess what? They'll probably be out of style at some point. So this is probably not a company that's ever going to trade at a high multiple. Why? Because there's always that fear, that realistic fear, that they're going to go out of style again. Okay. And that's, I think that's the issue is, is you're not going to get this huge multiple expansion and they do have a lot of debt, although they are paying that down and they're buying back shares, which I like. Um, so what I'd be looking for more is major support and capitulation volume. And we're not quite there yet. Now the next major support is right on $45. So it's not far from there, but it's uh, 49 now. So only about 10% lower from here. And then if it breaks that, then the next level would be around in the high 20s. So those are kind of the support levels. But I'd be looking for some sort of reversal on high volume before I'd get in. 
So I like what you're looking at. I like the the asset allocation that 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 they're making. I like the cash flow. I like the relative value here, uh, based on free cash flow of about 400 million. It's about a 2.8 billion dollar market cap. Pretty good. Problem is a little bit too high debt for my liking, and the trend is horrible. So be patient on it. Watch for a high volume reversal before you get in. Thanks for the call. Now, Steve and I are thankful for your podcast support and our free downloads will continue, but I'll make you aware of two other ways to find our material and unbiased guidance. One is our Invest Talk YouTube channel, as well as our Instagram following as well. So be sure to head over there and search Invest Talk with two T's. Now, the Invest Talk phone lines are open for you. So give us a call now at 888-99-CHART. Why do listener questions make InvestTalk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that InvestTalk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey, guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor 888-99-CHART. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. So as long as your questions involve the stock market or general investment topics and definitions, we set no limits. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Justin and I are ready. Are you? Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today is based on this story, the $5 trillion wealth shock that is cracking American nest eggs. Now, since the start of the year, the SP is down about 18%, NASDAQ 27%, and the cryptocurrency market on average down 48%. Are you feeling the pain? So we're going to look at what that means for billionaires as well as regular everyday people as well. Also, I want to touch on the wide gap in performance between the dividend payers, the highest dividend payers in the market, and those companies that don't pay dividends at all. It's been pretty stark this year, and it just hits at the whole notion that higher interest rates, higher inflation means market Prices, market rewards now versus the future. And then I want to touch on a some statements from Federal Reserve presidents, a couple of them, in regards to the path of rate policy. And it kind of echoes what I've been saying about a pivot by the Fed to not necessarily QE again, but the fact that they put bullets in the holster in order to quell markets, market sell-offs, uh, credit market uh, freezing up, etc. So we're going to look at that story. 
And then lastly, JP Morgan is touching on the consumer and in their conference call, they had some interesting things to say about the consumer and its strength. So we're going to look at that as well. Let's take a look at the market today. The S&P closed down 32 points, but it was a very, very stark day in growth versus value. I always love looking at this. Going over to Morningstar.com, just the front page. It's so easy to see what parts of the market were strong, what parts of the market were weak. Large cap growth. Large cap growth. Now, Snap had terrible earnings, uh, but in general, large cap growth had a terrible day. Think, look at this. Down 4.18%. I mean, I talk about this all the time, right? Value over growth. This is not the market. This, the market trends are here to stay. This is not something that is a flash in the pan. And today is the epitome. We had we had a solid day we, for most of our you know client accounts. We were probably slightly up. Large cap growth down four point one eight percent. Large cap value up, up positive. 0.77% on the day. Nearly a 5% difference in one single day between large cap growth and large cap value. Pretty incredible. And we're seeing these days pretty often. I've seen multiple of these days, not quite this big, a nearly 5% gap in performance in one single day is quite dramatic. Um, but, you know, 3 Four five percent kind of divergence days, and this was a very interesting one because the SP was down about thirty two points, so less than one percent. But the Nasdaq, the Nasdaq, that was on two hundred and seventy points, nearly three percent. And if you look at the NYSE, much broader index, that was only down fifty two points, about a third of one percent. Small caps, they're down a little over 1%. But a very interesting day. Uh, you had gold up. You had the dollar down. And what was most interesting to me about today was, beyond just the, that 5% gap, was that interest rates were down. You would think 10-year down nearly 10 basis points today. You would think hey, this is an indication that the Fed is going to pivot. You had the housing numbers, the new home sales, disappointing. Down, was it, mid to high teens month over month. Highest drop percentage-wise, I think, since 2013. So you would think that that would drive more money into these names, saying, hey, the Fed's going to pivot sooner rather than later. That wasn't the case. Yeah, new home, new single family home sales down 16.6% month over month. So those higher mortgage rates really hitting the, the housing market right now. Quicker, I think, than most had expected. But still, 5% difference, pretty wild. Now we're moving into a break. I'm here and ready to take your finance and investment questions. This is Invest Talk. Give me a call at 888 chart The market is constantly changing, and you've got to be ready to react. You'll have questions. Steve and Justin have answers. The Invest Talk Anytime listener line never closes. 888-99-CHART. 
go talk to Edgar in San Diego looking at Vanguard Utility ETF, VPU. Do you own it or looking to buy it? No. Uh, hi, Justin. Thanks for taking my call first, and I appreciate all the help you do. Of course. Uh, no, I don't have it, but my question is because I have some energy, some uh, uh, ETF energy, and I was wondering if I add this VPU into my portfolio, am I duplicating or not really? No, no, I definitely don't think you're duplicating uh, because utilities, you want to think utilities kind of like a bond in a way. Remember, utility companies for the most part, now there are independent utilities, uh, but the vast majority, especially if you're buying like a VPU, which is owning a, a litany of different utilities, they're going to be government regulated. What that means is their profits are regulated. And so they're kind of entitled to earnings. And that's why they typically are kind of boring. They're very consistent when it comes to their dividends. It's rare that there's a lot of dividend cuts. And that's why they, they tend to be the lowest correlated to the broad economy and the broad market. Whereas energy companies, those are very cyclical. Their profits are not guaranteed at all, right? Uh, you know, it depends on where oil prices are, where natural gas prices are, etc. So, yes, there are elect, you know, util electric utilities that are utilizing natural gas, for example, but their profits are, are typically legislated in by their local municipalities. So, definitely wouldn't think of these as overlapping. I think actually this these both are sectors that you should be overweight in environment and they're kind of good yin and yang so um now in general utilities are kind of overvalued longer term so i wouldn't be excited to say hold them forever but in this environment as a buffer against the downside of the market this is not a bad place to be look at look at today <laughs> vpu was up let's see nicely today let's see two point Eight percent, or no, two dollars and eighty-six cents, a dollar, one point eight percent, in a market that was down, where the Nasdaq was down to almost three percent. So, yeah, I think this is a good place to be and hide out in, collect a nice dividend. Uh, but I wouldn't be owning this and holding it for forever. So say that. Now, my focus point today is based on this story: the five trillion dollar wealth shock that is cracking American nest eggs. Now, since the beginning of the year, U.S. households. Household wealth has fallen by about $5 trillion. And JP Morgan estimates that this could go to $9 trillion by the end of the year. Now, who are the biggest losers? Well, U.S. billionaires. They've lost $800 billion since the peak. And nobody has lost more than Elon, with Tesla down now over 50% so far this year. Uh, his Overall wealth has declined about 41% since November. And that's when his net worth was $340 billion. Jeff Bezos, the second richest man, lost 82%. Sorry, not 82%. 39%, $82 billion over that time. Now, this is kind of by design. The Fed is trying to bring down inflation, and they need Americans to curb their spending. 
and when NFT values are going crazy, cryptocurrency values are going crazy, all the meme stocks are going crazy, people feel good about themselves, especially lower income people who might be participating in these areas of the market. And those are the people that tend to spend the most. You think Jeff Bezos or Elon are changing their spending habits because of the decline in their stock prices? Probably not. But overall, this is a wealth shock that's going to drag on growth. And I'll talk a little bit later about how, so far, this hasn't led to recessionary type of economic numbers. Weakening, like I said yesterday, kind of a hangover in the economy right now. Now, American households and nonprofits held about $170 trillion at the end of last year. More than half of that was held in real estate and equities. Now, the top 1% own more than half of U.S. stocks and mutual funds. The bottom 90% only own 12. But in the real estate side, 90% own more than half of the total. So really, when it comes to the wealth effect, it's not really the equity markets that have an impact on the economy. Much more are, is the impact on the housing market as a whole. And more than 40% of refinancing in the final quarter of last year saw homeowners pull out cash from their homes. So the ability to pull out money from the equity in their home is a big driver of consumer spending. And now with values coming back in and with rates going up, that's part of the driver of consumer spending, I think is probably the biggest drag on the economy as a whole right now. Because guess what? If you, I don't care how much equity you have, very few people are going to go, I won't, I'm going to take my 3% mortgage and refinance it at 5% just to take money out. Unlikely to happen. And so that's why you're seeing financing fall off a cliff. Now we're heading to a break. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. 
AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E dot com hacker one dot com you've got a portfolio to grow and protect and this is no time to lose focus so get your finance and investment questions together and call steve peasley and justin klein they're ready with their unbiased answers invest talk 888-99-CHART Hello, Invest Talk. I love the show. My name is Enrique calling from San Diego. And my question is regarding the stock, the ticker ET Energy Transfer. It has a dividend of 6.82. looks pretty good. I just want to know your thoughts on it. Thank you very much. Look forward to hearing the answer on the show. All right. This is Energy Transfer, and they own a Large platform of crude oil, natural gas, and natural gas liquid assets, primarily in Texas. And it has gathering and processing facilities. And it has some uh, fracking facilities and fuel distribution. So it's right in the heart of the commodity space right now. Now, the biggest issue with energy transfer is their debt. They have a pretty hefty debt load. Uh, now they're working that down. They have worked it down, which is good. Uh, and their cash flow is very strong. And their dividend's strong. And they can certainly pay out that dividend currently based on earnings. Supposed to make $1.39 this year. That's down 26%, though, from last year's $1.89. And $1.47 expected next year. So earnings certainly kind of all over the board. Uh, now what you have to realize though, this is a limited partnership this is energy transfer LP. So you're going to get a K one. If you own this and you're collecting a dividend, that's 7.2% and is taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. So are you okay with that? Maybe you are. I personally, there's similar companies in this space that are not limited partnerships, they're corporations, and they pay qualified dividends. Taxed at that 15 or 20% rate. Paying similar, maybe a little less, uh, rates. We actually own one for clients. So we rather own those type of assets, but energy transfer is fine. 
if you're okay with the limited partnership aspect in the K1s. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8892 is how you get through and ask your question right now. Let's touch on the stark difference between dividend payers, as that caller just asked about, and companies that buy back shares or don't pay dividend at all. And right now, cash is kind of king. And money is flowing into dividend-paying stocks. And this is a big shift from what we've seen in the past. The Russell 1000 highest dividend yield, yielding stocks in uh, from November 19th rose on average 4% over the following six months. The Russell 1000 companies that don't pay a dividend, they fell 29% over that time, a 33% difference. So this market is a complete 180 from what most people are used to seeing. And high inflation and rising interest rates eat away at the value of companies' future earnings and increase the attractiveness of today. Because guess what? If you're getting payment of cash today, what can you do with that? Well, now you can go reinvest at higher rates, for example. And companies in the S&P have paid out a record $137.6 billion in dividends in the first quarter. So it's not like there's a dearth of opportunities of dividend payers that are out there. There's a lot of them. The S&P 500 high dividend index is up 2.8% this year. The S&P 500 buyback index, companies that are buying back shares, down 12%. Now, that's better than the negative 18% the S&P is, but still, decidedly negative. And it just goes to show you that this is a trend that continues to persist. And frankly, this is a normal market. It's a normal market. When the cost of money is something versus nothing, which it has been for the vast majority of the last 12 years, 14 years, suddenly people pay attention to the fundamentals. Investors want companies to be sustainable, sustainable internally with internal cash that they can reinvest in their business or pay dividends out to investors. The era of growth over value is frankly an anomaly if you look back over the last 150 years. There were a few distinct periods this last 15 years and actually leading up to the 1929 crash when there was rampant market speculation. So this is something you're just going to have to get used to, even if you're not. Now, Steve and I have said many times that we appreciate our diverse invest talk audience. And in fact, we receive caller questions from across America and around the world. So let's take a question now, this time from the UK. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Josh Cohen from the United Kingdom. I just took a new job out here in England, and my company offers me a chance to purchase their stock at a 5% discount. The stock is KBR, Kilo, Bravo, Romeo. And I just kind of wanted to get your take on this 
stock and if this might be a good idea for me um, as I move forward. Thank you. Bye. All right. This is KBR Inc. headquartered in Houston, Texas, but obviously, as the caller said, he is operating around the world in the UK. And this is a company that provides engineering and construction services to the government and civil infrastructure, energy and petrochemical markets. This is right up the alley of where you want to be in this market. Companies that can, that has the expertise, the manpower to build projects that deliver things today, like energy, like infrastructure. And this is a company that consistently has positive cash flow and has been growing over the last five, eight years. Now, I had a dip in 2016, 17 time period, but it's, it's coming back and coming back consistently. And it pays a little bit of a dividend, which I like. It's not issuing a bunch of shares to stay in business. So it's sustainable internally through cash flows. And its trend is on the up. It continues to make a series of higher highs and higher lows. And earnings this year are expected to be 261 up from $2.39 last year and $3.13 next year. 1% dividend, not super high, but the willingness and the ability to grow it. And they started to increase it uh, in 2020. So yeah, if you can buy this at a bit of a discount, I would do it. Now, make sure there's a few rules. Probably don't want it to be more than about 10, 15% max of your total net worth. So you don't get overexposed to it. I know a lot of people do that. They get, they buy their company shares at a discount and then they suddenly over years, they have a ton of it. And now there are tax consequences they have to work through uh, and they have huge risk. Not only if, hey, if there's an Enron, for example, that your company goes under, not only does all of your equity of your stock go away, but now your job goes away as well. So you have a double whammy, you're tied to this business. And a lot of times that's very good. But especially if you have a cyclical business or a business that is in technology that can be disrupted at any moment, think of BlackBerry and Apple, that carries significant risk. So make sure that when you're buying these type, uh, a company like this and buying in, in shares consistently, that it doesn't get too much of your overall assets. Now, summer is just weeks away. And with this volatility in the market, might be tempted to take your eye off the ball and sit back and enjoy a little getaway. And that's, that's certainly fine to some degree, but you don't want to, you don't want to not pay attention at all. You want to be understanding your strategy and executing your strategy, whether you're sipping cocktails on a beach or you're in front of your computer screen, you want to make sure that you're Money is working for you the right way in this market. So if you need help understanding that, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KAPP Financial, where we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So you can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KAPP Financial office at 800-557-5461. Short call doesn't need to be long. Just find out how we can help you in any way. 
Now, next up, we're going to grab another caller question now. Hi, Justin or Steve. This is Rick from Maryland calling. I have a really simple question, but um, I'm sure there's other listeners that probably um, would like this knowledge as well. So I've never actually sold a covered call that's, that has expired in the money. So I bought Zillow when it dumped after earnings at like $33 a share, bought 100 shares and instantly sold a covered call at $40. It looks like right now there's no telling what will happen between now and June when it expires. But, you know, let's just say it does expire in the money. Do I need to do anything? My broker is TD Ameritrade. Or will it just settle on its own? Like, will I need to actually sell the shares to cover the expired call in the money? I'm just curious. Appreciate uh, your insight, and I look forward to your response. Thanks. Great call. And the simple answer is, no, you don't have to do anything. If a if an option, if you hold an option, you're, sorry, you're, you're short an option, or you're long an option, whatever it is, and it's in the money, that is going to be assigned to you upon expiration. So you don't have to do anything. TD Ameritrade will just execute it because the other side is going to probably execute it if that's in the money. Okay. And they can do it beforehand. Remember that. Typically, it only happens kind of the week of option X, but they can do that. Now, one thing that people don't understand with cover calls is you don't need to have it called away from you, even if it's in the money. You can roll it out to a future date, meaning you buy back the call that you sold and you sell a future strike. You can just simply roll it out with the same strike. You can roll it up into a different strike. You can roll it down into a lower strike. Depends on what strategy you want to create, how much income you're you're, you're trying to, to create, what your view is on the particular stock. So I think that's one big mistake that most newer investors that try to sell cover calls don't understand. They think they're tied to that call forever. Uh-uh. You can buy it back at any time. You could sell a cover call today, right now and two seconds later, buy it back. Okay. So understand that difference. Now let's touch a bit on some interesting comments that came out of a couple of Federal Reserve presidents. One is the St. Louis president, James Bullard, and Atlanta Fed president, Raphael Bostic, as well as who was it? It was uh, Kansas City Fed official Esther George. And this was James Bullard on Fox Business Network. And he had some interesting takes. One, he said, I've said 50 basis points is a good plan for now. And he still thinks that the 3.5% Fed funds rate by the end of the year is realistic. But he also said, quote, the more we can front load and the more we can get inflation and inflation expectations under control, the better off we'll be, end quote. And then he says, in future years, they can lower the policy rate as they get inflation under control. Now, Bostic said that he is also in favor of 50 basis point increase, but he thinks they could pause in September just to see how the economy has reacted. And this is where I think the, the Fed is going to go. You have two more Fed meetings coming up. June, about three weeks from now, June 14th and 15th, and July 26th and 27th. 
And then you have all of August and then into late September, late September, September 20th and 21st is the Fed meeting after that. So I think what they're going to do is go 50 basis points the next two meetings, as long as nothing breaks. And you also have the continuation of QT. Now, let me tell you this. I don't think the credit markets can handle that. I think by the time you get to September, they're going to pause. They're going to, and they're going to signal that. Remember, they speak all the time. They're on TV. They can go out there and change forward guidance whenever. And so the credit markets right now, I mean, you're already seeing markets kind of seize up. Not in a bad way, but in a more realistic way. Um, I've talked to investment banking um, people that I know, and they're talking about deals for a lot of tech companies. They're, they cannot raise capital. Pelotons of the world, they're having to agree to very onerous financing packages. And the big question is, when does that feed into the broader credit markets beyond just equity raises? And I think that's when the Fed will ultimately pivot. But like I said, they can just simply temper their rate hiking path. And I don't think that'll happen over the next couple of meetings. But going to the back half of the year, I definitely think that is a strong possibility. And you're starting to see some signals in the market. And that's why you saw rates down pretty sizable today. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And we have one goal here. And that's to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. But our work continues after this final break. So if you want to call, you need to do that right now at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I wanted to get your opinion on Vanguard's municipal bond fund, VWAHX. It seems to be at like a 10-year low. Wondering if this would be a good buy point in a down market. Thank you very much. Bye. All right, looking at the Vanguard High Yield Tax Exempt Bond Fund. And this is this has had a rough year. It's down about 11% year to date, but from its highs back in the fall, it's down nearly 20%. And for a bond fund, that's it's kind of a lot. And the answer why it's down so much is because it is invested in very long duration assets, about 39%, actually over 50% of its bonds are maturing between 20 and 30 plus years. So over 20 years, called over 20 years. And then another 30, uh, let's see, that's a 40%, 45% over seven years, between seven and 20 years. So this is average maturity is very long. And its average duration is is pretty long. And that's why you're getting this huge drop. Anything with 
long duration is going to get smoked in a rising interest environments. And frankly, tech stocks are long duration assets. Remember, their cash flows are way out into the future. And so the question is, do you want to own long duration assets? Now, near term, are we going to get a bounce in them? You know, TLT was up 2.3%. That's a very long duration asset, right? 20 to 30 year uh, treasuries. But as the trend shifted, are we now in a higher in higher inflationary environment, which means the Fed is going to be on a more hawkish path in general than a more dovish one? I think so. So while this is at a multi-year low, I think it's at a multi-year low for a reason, a good reason. Because long duration assets are no longer going to be in style. Now, if you're in the belief that this is a very, very short term phenomenon, and that we are going to go back to the days of globalization and one to 2% kind of disinflationary environment, then yeah, this would be a great buy. If you're in my camp, which is inflation is going to remain relatively elevated due to demographic demographic issues due to deglobalization due to ESG, then no, you don't want to be in this. So you have to make up your mind there. Now let's talk a little bit about what JP Morgan is saying. And they had an investor day yesterday, and they talked a little bit about the strength of the consumer. And remember JP Morgan, they see everything that goes on. They're the largest domestic bank. And customers haven't yet drained, according to them, haven't yet drained cash balances that grew pretty fat during the pandemic. So they say the near-term credit outlook for the consumer remains strong. This pushed the banking index up about 4% yesterday. Now, Chief Executive Jamie Dimon says the recession isn't out of, isn't out of the cards. But he says that he sees no looming trouble in loan delinquencies. So they aren't reserving more for loan losses more than they did in the first quarter. So the trends they expected in the first quarter for loan losses kind of continued at, at that pace. Now, more consumers are falling behind on payments, but like I said yesterday, this is more of a reversion to the mean than to levels that are worrying. So JP Morgan thinks their consumer business is in good shape, although for Wall Street operations, that's a bit of a different story. They see fees from investment banking trending down 45% year over year in the second quarter. Because like I said, there's less deal making, there's less stock offerings, less bond offerings. Liquidity is tighter. And so that's really where the, the worry is. And so that's why I've said for a while now, if you're going to own any part of the banking sector, you want to be owning more commercial banks than investment banks. And their numbers basically support that. Well, I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. And our official Invest Talk download count has now exceeded 41.5 million, thanks to you. And you can find your Invest Talk podcast anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And if you leave a question with your review, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night.
InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.